Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 14 about the breastplate of righteousness. We are going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to continue our verse-by-verse teaching through Ephesians, and we're going to be looking at the breastplate of righteousness tonight in the armor of God. Father, we thank you so much for this night together, and we have so many blessings to count. Uh, The greatest blessing we have is your presence in our lives. Our great high priest, Jesus Christ, who is our armor, And thank you that you are the one who clothes us and covers us and leads us. You are our light, our refuge, our strength, an ever-present help. You uh, ever live to intercede for your people. You won the victory on earth. You still fight for us in heaven. It's an amazing uh, thing that we possess in Jesus Christ to be purchased with your blood, have the perfect righteousness of our king imputed to our accounts and to be people that we, we can understand later in the book of Hebrews, it says that you will never leave us nor will you forsake your people. Uh, nothing will ever separate us from your love and Lord, as we now turn our hearts to your word and we look at this breastplate that you've provided to us, we pray you show us marvelous things from your word. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Okay, so we're in Ephesians chapter six, and let me just uh, remind you where we've been so far. In Ephesians chapter six, Paul gave us the words, finally, and I mentioned to you this is kind of like the final piece, if you will, of all that he wants to give us about the new life that we have in Christ. He tells us, be strong, Ephesians 6, 10, in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God, Ephesians 6.11, that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, and I mentioned to you in verse 12, it's, it's our collective struggle. I think here, picturing the church in battle together, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, because this is true, because we do have a battle, it says take up, which is really a synonym for put on, the full armor of God. We need every piece, and I mentioned to you that there are seven pieces of armor that we will look at. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. I mentioned the evil day, some scholars believe, points to the ultimate evil day when Antichrist will be on the move and uh, demanding of people to take a mark uh, lest they die and that kind of thing. So uh, you can do some of your own study on that. And having done everything to stand firm. And so the Bible does tell us that it's the armor of God, it's the power of God, it's the strength of God, yet we need to do everything we can to stand firm. And the everything that we have to do is to put on what God has provided for us. It is his provision, and his provision to us is himself. He provides himself 
but we need to call upon the Lord, we need to ask him in to the situations of our lives, and I mentioned to you that when we look at the pieces of the armor, we're talking about the armor representing God himself, for example, in the belt of truth, verse 14, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, that's where we stopped last time. God is the God of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I mentioned to you that in every piece of the armor, you're gonna find the nature of God, who God is, and you're also gonna find the reflection of the enemy in the pieces of the armor, because the armor is specifically, or I said, custom made to deal with the typical ways that we are tempted. We have a belt of truth, do you remember? Because our enemy is a... Liar, he was a liar from the beginning, he's a murderer, he does not abode in the truth. He works in the system of lies. He likes to package things that are ultimately a lie. You can think of the lie of evolution, you can think of the lie when people will buy into the lie in the last days, etc. That's that's where he works. He lied to our first parents. Did God really say, right? He questions the word of God. He twists the gospel. We looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We talked about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual for the what? Destruction of strongholds. And we talked about how truth is what pulls down the strongholds of falsehood. And people are trapped in, here's the imagery, in warfare imagery, in fortresses of falsehood. And truth is what demolishes those fortresses. Now, I did mention to you that truth and prayer go together, the Bible and prayer. So not only is it the truth of God's word or the gospel, but prayer that brings down fortresses. But, but just picture somebody who's caught in a cult or a world religion. That, that castle looked like a place of safety. They went into it, but ultimately it was another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit. That's 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4. And Paul said, I'm afraid for you, lest as Eve was deceived by the tempter or the serpent, so you should be led away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. In Galatians 1, we looked at that passage and it says, even if we or an angel from heaven should come and preach another gospel, right? Other than the gospel that we've preached to you, let him be, do you remember the Greek word? Anathema, let him be under the curse of God. This is where the enemy works, not just in evolutionary theory, but in false religion, in the same terminology that we use in the church, Jesus, the gospel, the spirit, People do have Bibles and twist the scriptures to their own destruction, 2 Peter chapter three. So this is how the enemy works. And so we have a belt of truth so that we might be a discerning people, but truth has another meaning in terms of this belt and it has to do with truthfulness as well. So not only are we to be uh, people who are grounded in the truth of God, but we are to be people who are truthful. And so this also has connotations to our character. We're to be people who tell the truth and live out the truth in our lives. We should not be known as deceptive people or you can't trust them or they're two-faced. That's not what it means to be a believer. Now, believers are not perfect. We all know that. We've probably all been trapped in a corner once or twice or three times and maybe told a little, what we call a little. For us, it was just little, right? And, we, and it was white. You know what it was? It was a little white lie, Right? But you know what? The more we ground ourselves in the God of truth, the more we want to just be people of truth. 
There's a real freedom in being a true, just open book. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. But that is, you know, what is reflected in this armor. Now, I showed you some slides last time, and uh, I showed you this, which is the typical picture of the armor of God, and we started with the belt of truth, and I mentioned to you that the belt holds everything together, and we're moving now to the breastplate of righteousness. So if you think about an ar- the armor of God in terms of a Roman soldier, the breastplate went basically from his throat, uh, my understanding, all the way down to his thighs, and the breastplate protected what? His vital organs. And so, you know, when you think of vital organs, probably the first thing that comes to mind for most of us when we think about a breastplate and we imagine a Roman soldier is we start thinking about protection of the most important parts of our body. Now, I pulled that from the internet and I had given you the imagery of a hockey goalie or a baseball catcher. It might be a little easier for us to get our arms around this. I can't believe how much that looks like my middle son catching for Corona High School, but that is not him. I just pulled that off the internet. At least I don't think it's him. So, but the right equipment in sports, uh, getting prepared for the battle, getting prepared for the game can really protect you. And I, and I, told you that armor is for protection. And so you have a Roman soldier and he would have this real uh, strong covering to cover you know, the main uh, areas of his life that, would, that was his livelihood, if you will, which will keep him alive. And of course, you start thinking about your heart. And since the breastplate of righteousness is what God is all about, God is a righteous God, right? He is holy and true, we can see that in the reflection of the armor, the opposite of righteousness is what? Evil, okay? And so here's a second thing that you need to be kind of just thinking through with the armor. The pieces of armor reflect who God is. God is righteous, but in the reflection of the armor, you see your enemy. Custom-made armor for the typical ways an enemy comes at you, and what does he tempt believers and unbelievers alike to do to commit what? Evil. That's what he does. He wants us to move towards that which is evil. So we have a breastplate of righteousness to protect us from going toward that which is evil. And so the tempter comes and he tempts us to do what? Not to do good, but to do evil. To sway your heart away from God to get you to move in directions that are ungodly and unrighteous, things that will definitely tempt your flesh, right? Because evil isn't always ugly. It can look pretty. It can look attractive. It can be a, a sparkling package, but in the end, it leads to death. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Now, the Bible talks about a man uh, after God's own heart, and his, his name was... David. So I was trying. I was thinking. I was asked to speak at a 18th birthday party of a fine young man. His family has kind of moved down south now. But and I was trying to think of what to share with him. And it was it was a manhood ceremony, one of those rites of passage kind of things where dad and mom wanted to charge him with, okay, this is what it means to be a man. So they asked Pastor Michael, can you give him a charge? And so I started praying. What would I tell this young man? And he's a very godly young man, definitely pursuing a walk with the Lord. And so I stood up here and I told him that the greatest thing that he can do 
is to be a man after God's own heart. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hey, Pastor Michael and the team really appreciate you listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to bring you the truth of God's Word and help you apply it to your life. To equip you when people in your community have questions, not to throw the truth in their faces, but to have an answer for the hope you have inside you. Would you please help us with something? Would you please reach out to us today to tell us how Walk in Truth has been a blessing to you? We have a church board, and they would love to hear from our listeners. They want to know how this ministry is reaching you. We would love to know how Pastor Michael's messages have helped you day to day, or even just this one time if you're a first-time listener. Please take a couple moments to either call us and leave us a message or email us. The number is 844-48-TRUTH or you can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH or contact at walkintruth.com. And thank you so much and God bless. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. But in the reflection of the armor, you see your enemy. Custom-made armor for the typical ways an enemy comes at you. And what does he tempt believers and unbelievers alike to do? To commit what? Evil. That's what he does. He wants us to move towards that which is evil. So we have a breastplate of righteousness to protect us from going toward that which is evil. And so the tempter comes and he tempts us to do what? Not to do good, but to do evil. To sway your heart away from God. To get you to move in directions that are ungodly and unrighteous. Things that will definitely tempt your flesh, right? Because evil isn't always ugly. It can look pretty. It can look attractive. It can be a a sparkling package, but in the end, it leads to death. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Now, the Bible talks about a man uh, after God's own heart, and his, his name was David. So I was, trying, I was thinking, I was asked to speak at an 18th birthday party of a fine young man. His family has kind of moved down south now. But, and I was trying to think of what to share with him. And it was, it was a manhood ceremony, one of those rites of passage kind of things where dad and mom wanted to charge him with, okay, this is what it means to be a man. So they asked Pastor Michael, can you give him a charge? And so I started praying, what would I tell this young man? And he's a very godly young man, definitely pursuing a walk with the Lord. And so I stood up here and I told him that the greatest thing that he can do is to be a man after God's own heart. And what's amazing is that that's what God found in David. He found him to be a man after his own heart. Now, we all know David wasn't perfect. Uh, There were some ugly scenes in David's life. But David was in love with God and David also was a warrior. You know, there are two things that I would say about David that strike me, they're both W words. He was a worshiper and he was a warrior. Now, if you want to be a true man, try to, try to just capture those two things. 
Be a worshiper and a warrior. And by the way, the two are not mutually exclusive. I was teaching a class. I have uh, three 10 and 11-year-old boys, and some of them are t- really attempting to be cool in the class. You know, <laughs> right? and I said, do you think it's weak to consider going to God with your problems and your concerns? I know they have their share of problems, right? And no, yeah, yeah, no. What's the right answer, right? They, they don't quite know what to say because they wonder, what does it mean you know, to be a man, to be a man of God? I'll tell you. It means to be a worshiper and a warrior. And they are not mutually exclusive. And so don't ever think when you walk into a church as a man that somehow you gotta put your masculinity aside. That's not what's going on here in the Bible. Just read your Bible. There are warriors all over the Bible. You wanna know who the ultimate warrior is? His name is Jesus Christ. And when you see him depicted in some scenes in the Bible, he is arrayed as a warrior. The, the leader of the commander of the hosts, the commander of the hosts of the Lord. In Revelation 19, he's coming on a white horse and the, and the armies of heaven are coming with him and his garments, his vesture are spattered with the blood of his enemies. Mm. He treads the fierce wrath, the winepress of the wrath of almighty God. And so Jesus is the ultimate picture when we, when we look at the armor. He is, he is the high priest, and yet he is the commander. He is the warrior. It's interesting to think about the fact that in the Old Testament, priests often led Israel into battle. A high priest in one occasion, scripture doesn't come to mind right now, led the children of Israel into battle. When they were gonna cross the Jordan, who was holding the ark? The priests, and they were the first to step into the water when they were circling the walls of, the Jer- of Jericho, who was there? The priests. And so you can have this idea as a, as a man or woman of God that you can be a warrior for God. And in, in this sense, we're talking about spiritually now. We're talking about battling in terms of being an intercessor. God does look for intercessors. He looks for someone who will stand in the gap and take up the hedge. Is that you? Remember how I told you that the armor of God leads into uh, it talks about our struggle and then it leads into prayer. The seventh piece, piece let me remind you, uh, verse 18 says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times, Ephesians 6.18, in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for who? All the saints. We battle together. The battle belongs to the Lord, but we battle together. And so when I introduced the idea of the armor, I told you that there's a, Another view that we can consider about the armor of God, and it'd probably be foreign to most of us, and that is the clothing or the garments of the high priest. Uh, very difficult to see there, but I was, I've been doing some study on this, and one source that I found uh, was talking about seven pieces of uh, clothing on the high priest and seven pieces of armor in the armor of God, which is really interesting. Uh, the, high, the, the high priest had two types of garments that he would wear, the one uh, where he's all in white was for the Day of Atonement, and then the other one where he's very colorful with the blue and the, the checkered ephod and stuff was his normal garment. That's a look at some of the uh, materials that were used. And this is a model that I think it was produced by the Temple Institute in Israel. 
They are making all the garments and planning to have them ready for a new temple in Israel. I don't know if you guys knew that. If you're interested, go to templeinstitute.org or.com and they will show you different pictures of what they've already produced. On the breastplate of the high priest, they had 12 gemstones. These 12 gemstones each had the name of the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, and they were actually put onto the breastplate or the breastpiece of the high priest. And, uh, and, and this is a bit of a mystery, but included in the breastpiece was something called the Urim and the Thummim. You're only gonna find it about five or six times in your Bible. And what it seems to be is the high priest could go and he could stand before God and he could inquire for the king or for some congregational need and ask the Lord, should we go into battle or not? Should we do this or not? And there's indications that with the Urim and the Thummim, something like light would come and it would glow in these gemstones. And I'll give you a little closer look at it. And it would indicate God's favor or God's direction. We don't really know exactly how it worked, but we do know that the Urim and the Thummim were connected to the breastplate. Some sources say there was something written on um, an early form of paper that would be tucked into the breastplate, and others say there was some sort of manifestation of light that would come from the Holy of Holies that would indicate what Israel ought to do. So the breastplate became known for several things. It became known for seeking direction from God, and it became known for the closeness of the people of God to the heart of God. Because when you think about Jesus, think, think this way. When Jesus is depicted in Revelation chapter one, what garments is he wearing? He's wearing the garments of a high priest. Go back and look at Revelation chapter one, about verses 12 through 18. And you'll see this description. You'll see this description of him in Daniel chapter 10, that he's got the sash and he's, he's got the, the garments of the high priest. Remember that the armor of God, it says in Romans 13, where we started out in this study, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. You've been listening to The Breastplate of Righteousness, Part 1 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 14. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'd love to connect with you. It's a great way to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church here in Corona, California, although we recommend that you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. And thanks. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, remember, the breastplate of righteousness is really the fact that God is righteous. Each piece of the armor reflects who God is. He is the righteous one. He is holy. And he gives us righteousness when we believe. He imputes the righteousness of Christ. So let's make sure we understand that first and foremost. But the the breastplate of righteousness can also speak of a practical righteousness. What does this mean? Does this mean that we walk into the office and uh, we say, uh, in walks his holiness, and we push all of our unbelieving friends away? I don't think that's what it means. I think when you're a righteous man or woman, that just means you do the right thing for the right reason. You don't rub people's noses in it. You don't flaunt it. 
You do it because you want to be a good man unto God or a good woman unto God. For example, this could be with your language. You simply decide you've made a commitment because your mouth reflects your heart that you're not going to curse. And so you just don't curse along with other people and they start to notice that you don't and they wonder why. That's an example. It's not uh, coming in as Holy Joe and, uh, you know, uh, cracking the whip, so to speak, or hitting people over the head with a family Bible. It's more about who you are. The righteousness of Christ is just coming through you because you can't help it because he lives in you and you put on the breastplate of righteousness. Amen. <laughs> this is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. Hey, we're going through the spiritual armor, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And uh, we hope that it is being helpful, have been helpful for you. You might want to tell a friend about what you're hearing and about this series, because I think this is some of the most important information that we can glean about our daily walk and the battles that we face. And uh, you can remember, you can go back and revisit these messages when you go to our app or to walkintruth.com. Go back, re-listen to these things, get a hold of the book, suit up, putting on the full armor of God. It's available on Amazon. I've written the book to help you and be a blessing to you. Remember, you can request it through this ministry as well. First-time givers, a gift of $20 or more, and the book is yours as a thank you from us. And even if you don't have the $20, request the book anyway. We'll make sure you get it because we want you to have it and we want it to be a blessing to you. Request it when you call 844-48-TRUTH or go to walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael. Hey, so glad you're listening. We'll see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 6, 14, called The Breastplate of Righteousness. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.